0: Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Psyche Podcast and I'm joined by Heather this week who is the energy synergist and we're diving into anxiety, particularly high functioning anxiety and Heather will explain what that is in this episode and I think it's a very timely episode to think about anxiety because it has been an unsettling couple of months um, with everything that's happening in the world at the moment. So I really hope that you find this conversation useful and take away lots of tips and ideas from it and i will be back at the end hi everyone i'm really excited to welcome this week's guest heather to the podcast so heather welcome thank you for joining us and if you can introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about you
1: Well, thanks for having me. My name is Heather, and uh, I am known professionally as the energy synergist. I am an anxiety specialist, and I work with people who are really high achieving but are also struggling with anxiety who want to take a more holistic and non-traditional approach to healing their anxiety. And I know I'm sure we're going to talk more about this, but I personally overcame my own struggles with high-functioning anxiety while I was working in Austin, Texas, which is where I live now. Um, I used to work in technology here. So I had a pretty demanding tech job and um, some big struggles with anxiety and perfectionism while I was working there.
0: For anyone that's listening who isn't sure what high functioning anxiety is, could you just briefly explain what you mean by high functioning anxiety? Yeah, that's a
1: great question. So it's not really a clinical diagnosis like generalized um, anxiety disorder, but high functioning anxiety is basically anxiety where the person is high functioning, right? They are able to really go through life, other people generally don't recognize or even know that the person has anxiety. And oftentimes, uh, the person with high functioning anxiety doesn't know that they have it either. So they're very, very driven. And oftentimes, their anxiety is um, part of the reason that they're so successful, It really like kind of propels them forward.
0: Mm. I mean, it really resonates with me because it's something that I don't know what the right term is identify. With uh, with my own anxiety, and it's interesting because I'd known that I had periods of depression, and I hadn't really noticed the anxiety because I'd had so much time in the depressed periods. But absolutely, the uh, the kind of driven and um, and that really resonates with me. So I'm really excited to talk to you a bit more about it and about how you support people who are experiencing anxiety to manage and to be able to maintain. the careers or whatever they've got going on with that anxiety. So you work holistically with people. What does that look like?
1: Yeah, so I have definitely some unusual methodology. I'm an energy healer. So the majority of the work that I do with people is um, working on their energy bodies and their energy systems. I do some coaching too. I'm I'm not a therapist. I always uh, say that, but I do some coaching type work that involves some recommendations that probably would be similar to what a therapist would tell people to do too. So I see people in sessions and do energy work, and then between sessions, I give them what I call homework, um, if they're okay with having quote-unquote homework, because some people don't like homework, but some people do. So I give them homework that is um, some things that they can do in between sessions that is really focused on um, learning how to identify and process their emotions. Uh, Because what I have discovered is that most people who have anxiety are not processing their emotions. They just completely shove them down, push them aside. And so by the time they are feeling anxiety, um, it's gotten pretty bad. And so they kind of need to relearn how to identify what their emotions are, and then learn how to let themselves feel them. I'm just smiling and nodding a
0: lot when you say that, because it Mm. may sound like me a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. So you started in this work because you were experiencing anxiety yourself. So Is that something that you were always aware of or was there a certain point when you realized that you were experiencing anxiety?
1: Yeah, I didn't recognize it at all. Um, Like I said, it was uh, like so many people with high functioning anxiety it was completely hidden from me. And I remember that people used to tell me particularly at work, how calm they thought I was. And I, I would think what, because inside I just felt like, yeah, like a swirling mess. I felt like I was really hyper. And it was like, my thoughts were just like a little hamster wheel running all the time. So I didn't understand how people thought I was calm because I didn't feel that way. Um, but what happened ultimately is that I, I had been struggling with so much stress and anxiety for so long that I, basically had a a severe autoimmune reaction. I had pushed my body so hard that eventually it just gave out. And that is really the catalyst for a bunch of amazing things that happened to me. They didn't feel amazing at the time, but it really turned my life around. And that is actually also how I discovered energy work because I didn't know anything about it before my physical illness.
0: And do you think that's quite common that we don't listen to to things, I guess, on like an uh, emotional or mental level. And then things will happen on the physical level. And it's like your body kind of going, look, you need to calm down.
1: Yeah, I would say a lot of my clients who come to me are having very big physical symptoms. Um, I've had a number of clients uh, before they came to see me that went to the hospital. And these are people who are relatively young and in pretty good shape. They were having such bad chest pain that they thought they may be having a heart attack or something like that. And they went to the hospital only to discover there's nothing wrong with their heart. It was their anxiety. So that is what happens to a lot of people. They're they're missing the earlier signs and signals. And then finally, their body is like, hey, if you're not going to pay attention to me, I'm going to give you some really, really big signals that are hard to miss so that you have to do something about it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So what would be some of those early signals that, that you might have that maybe a lot of people aren't picking up on but if anyone's listening to this they can kind of see if it sounds like them. Yeah so I would say uh, one thing that I think we
1: all kind of uh, take like kind of minimize is insomnia. Uh, It's not normal to not sleep regularly every once in a while of course but if you are waking up Um, well, first of all, unable to go to sleep because you can't shut off your mind or waking up early, either in the middle of the night um, and then not being able to go back to sleep for a while or waking up before you need to. And the second your mind, I mean, wakes up, it's just going. That's a big sign that there is something going on. That's not just, oh, I just don't sleep well. No, you are probably struggling with anxiety. And then also uh, something that, I think people may not recognize that they are not able to describe how they're feeling. Like if someone is like, how are you feeling? And they're just like, oh, I don't know. That's probably a sign as well. Because if you're pushing back your emotions, either they can be quote unquote negative or positive. If you're not able to describe how you're feeling, that's probably a sign that if there's some other clues going on as well, that you have anxiety.
0: I was smiling when you said about the insomnia and that I just don't sleep well because I have definitely said that a lot of times. Uh, so if someone is listening to this like me and is listening to both those things and they think, Ooh, that's me, what can they do to try and relieve some of that?
1: Yeah, so there's uh, the first recommendation is since I'm talking about not being able to process your emotions or have Uh, Words to describe it is you do have to start to get the vocabulary around how are you feeling. And there are lots and lots of printables out there on the internet that you can find that are a list of emotions. And this sounds really basic, but you can print off a list of emotions. And then at the end of every day, circle all of the ones that you felt. And if you do that for about five days and you put the sheets all out next to each other, you know, in a row and you look at them, you're going to see some commonalities, right? You're going to be like, oh my gosh, I circled that thing every day. And I happen to know that it was really um, at work every day that I felt that particular emotion, or it was when I got home that I circled these other ones. So that's one of the first steps, right? Is to start to be able to identify the the emotions that you're feeling and then when you are feeling some sensations in your body, so we haven't discussed this very much yet, but if your chest is hurting or you're finding that your, your jaw is clenched all the time, or maybe your stomach is really upset, then you can also start to tap into your body and be like, hey, oh my gosh, my chest is really tight. My chest is trying to tell me I feel something. And so then you have a list of emotions and a vocabulary that you've developed. You can say, oh, my chest is constricted because I'm scared or, oh, my stomach is feeling this way um, because I'm feeling emotion X. So you start to tie together the pieces of your body being an indicator of an emotion and you start to get some really big insights about yourself.
0: And then I suppose if you then know that for you, chest pain is associated with, with being scared, like you said, then if you're feeling chest pain, it's a way of then checking in and going, oh, I've got chest pain, maybe I'm scared. Yeah, and, and then the
1: next step is to let yourself feel scared. Um, because this sounds silly, but it's scary to feel scared. So so you'll be like, oh my God, I don't want to feel scared. So it's like people will just stop the emotion. They'll completely stop feeling it. When what you actually need to do is sit there for a minute and feel scared. Let it like move through you. Like, I'm gonna sit here and feel scared. Maybe I'm gonna cry. Maybe my you know, face is going to get really hot and I'm going to feel just overwhelmed with fear. But if you let yourself feel that for a minute or two, instead of shoving it aside, then pretty soon the emotions just start to you process them and you don't repress them. And then you stop having anxiety because you felt whatever your body wanted to feel.
0: I think fear is probably a good example because people might feel fear generally about a situation. But with other emotions, there may be a fear of feeling that emotion. So if they feel frustrated, there might be a fear of feeling that. Mm -hmm. So you almost have to go through both to process the the real emotion. Yes,
1: Yes. that's great. Yes, I would agree. There's there's probably, yes, a a combination of emotions going on. And maybe when you get under one, then you find there's another one underneath that. But uh, you're right fear. I think I mentioned that right now because a lot of times um, people don't, I think when someone feels sad, they can articulate that sometimes or when they feel happy, but a lot of people don't recognize that they're feeling fearful about something. It's um, it's just as adults, we don't want to admit that we're afraid of something. I don't, I don't exactly know why.
0: I don't know. Maybe that being vulnerable, I guess, or I don't know. And I imagine that this is something that becomes easier the more you do it because I suppose the first time you sit down and you experience fear or or whatever emotion it's new and so that's frightening in itself but once you've allowed yourself to feel those emotions then the next time it maybe gets a little bit easier because you have a bit of an awareness of what's going to come up in your body.
1: Yeah, I definitely think you're right. And I, I mean, I'm making it sound easy right now, but it's not. I mean, when you're feeling an emotion, it's probably n- going to feel very raw. It's going to be icky. Maybe you haven't let yourself cry in a year or something, and then you start crying and you can't stop for half an hour. And you know, you got like the ugly cry face going on and you're just like feeling yuck. But then after you're, you do that, more and more, it is not a half an hour of crying. It's like an emotion can start to move through you very quickly in probably a minute. And you're not decimated for the rest of the day. Once you do this all the time, it's like, oh, I just needed to feel that. That wasn't so bad. Why did I, you know, why was I, it's like, you'll look back and be like, oh, I never would have been able to do that before. And then I just did it. and was actually no big deal. And I'm like going on with
0: my merry life. I think that is very important to point out. Thank you for that bit. A lot of things that we talk about in the podcast, they sound easy when you're talking about it, you know, kind of removed from the situation, but in the situation, feel, Mm -hmm. like you said, really, icky, really uncomfortable to move through. And I know perfectionism is is something that you, um, that you talk about as well. And how many people, roughly, sorry, giving you a (laughs) figure. would you say that work with, with anxiety are experiencing perfectionism as well?
1: Well, When you do the work that I do, we're definitely um, a magnet for former versions of ourselves. So I do work with a lot of high achieving women who work in corporate, the corporate world. And so a lot of them are perfectionists and some of them already know that and they know that they are struggling with it. Uh, and I will say, you know, I'm American. And so I do feel like this society that I live in, in particular, is very focused on work and attainment around work and defining your work defines who you are. You know, it's like a symbol and it's really like tied into your identity. And so because of that, uh, there is a big focus on being perfect at work. But then as women, we also really are struggling with so many other ways in which we have to be perfectionists. Like we have these just really unattainable views about how we're supposed to look physically. And if you're a parent, you're supposed to be parenting your kids, you know, amazingly. And so it's like in every single area of your life, you're supposed to be doing it perfectly. Uh, And it's it's impossible.
0: a lot of um, social pressure, I guess, and social expectations. And do you think that's generally um, a part of anxiety, those shoulds, I need to, I'm supposed to do this, that are coming from external to the person? I mean, I do think the external
1: uh, comes into play, but someone who is fairly mentally healthy will be able to st- not let those external messages bother them as much. And that's where the work, the internal work comes in that when you become much more resilient and mentally healthy, the signals that you get, whether they're from, you know, the media or whether they're from, you know, your, your family dynamics, because a lot of this comes from your family, right? Those things don't start to bother you as much anymore, because you don't, you can see that they're not yours; that they're coming at you, and you just decide, "I'm not listening to that. That doesn't work for me. I'm not. I'm not paying attention to that."
0: Yeah, and I guess that's, you know, like you said, if you're in a, a mentally healthy place, you may be able to separate that from from yourself and and assess them. But I wonder if you're if you're in a really heightened, an- you know, place of anxiety, whether it's it's easy or possible to to separate yourself so much.
1: I, yeah, I guess I don't know the answer to that because this is pretty complex. And so, um, so I will say this is just like any, anything else that you and I are discussing. It's just work that needs to be done. And the uh, more and more work you do and more committed you are to beating your anxiety, then you get the tools and you get the resources and you start to become more whole and complete and these things become easier yeah absolutely
0: I'd, I'd love to just briefly talk about the the energy work that you do and and what that means so for anyone listening who's not really heard of energy work before how do how does it work
1: yeah, Thanks a lot for asking that. So this is what I just like to briefly describe, uh, to people is that we have an energy field that surrounds our body. If you put your arms out from side to side, it's generally a radius about that far around and you have a chakra system. Um, some people have heard of your chakras before they're energy hubs of your body, There's seven main chakras. And so, uh, it's a complex energy system. And by the time you feel something in your body, it's uh, because you've actually already processed something through your energy field. So you have information coming in, you pull it in through your energy field and your chakra system, you process it and send it back out. And so uh, those emotions that we're talking about, or even physical illness or ailments those are all just a body cue to let you know something's not right. It's not the actual problem. And so energy healing is really amazing because it is uh, working on the energy system and it's working on the root source of the problems. And so uh, that is how people are, are having big results is it's not working on the anxiety. It's working on the reasons you have anxiety. And so we um, could like, have a whole podcast about energy work, but just know that you are, you know, a bunch of atoms bouncing around basically. And we identify with the physical body, but your whole energy system is much more than your physical body. And we store past occurrences and events and traumas in our energy field. And those become like little computer programs that are running in the background. They basically dictate our behavior, cause lots of patterns to play out. And so energy healing is removing those instances, occurrences and traumas from your energy field so that they no longer run the show.
0: Amazing. Thank you for that. Thank you. Really interesting with energy that if anyone's got a scientific background or remembers doing science at school and talking about atoms and energy and all of that. But when it comes to ourselves, we just don't really think we're energy in the same same way, (laughs) you know everything else is and we can talk about solids being energy and all of that but there seems to be this block or has been previously when it comes to ourselves Mm -hmm. as being energy so I think it's great that that that's changing and that you're working with people on that level and like you said getting to the root of the problem rather than just what it's presenting as whether it's anxiety or whether it's something in the body so
1: yeah well thank you
0: so I have some questions that I love to ask everybody that comes on the podcast So I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts on on these. So my first one is what always boosts your mood or what brings you joy in your life? Oh,
1: you know, I have two high school daughters and my relationship with them brings me so much joy. And I have three cats, which is official cat lady crazy, I think. Um, But, you know, they bring me a lot of joy. So I think if I sum it up, it's just really having a lot of love in my life and uh, being able to focus on taking care of something other than myself, right it's like brings you back into some focus and balance about what's important
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah absolutely I mean
0: I think three cats is a perfectly reasonable amount of cats I could have, <laughs> thank you <laughs> if I could have that many of uh, cats dogs I would love to but I'm not the only one living in my house and apparently we're only allowed one dog <laughs> okay, um my next question is what makes life meaningful for
1: you Oh, gosh, um, two things popped in my head. Uh, and I i don't mean to sound cheesy. But I mean, my work really does bring a lot of meaning because I really get to see people's lives transform. And I work with some clients that I just freaking love. I just love working with them. But then also, I really like to exercise and use my body and uh, I guess when I'm really like active and, and tuned into my body and, and recognize it as like a really amazing machine, you know, that I live in that, uh, that to me is really uh, profound.
0: It's amazing. Thank you for for sharing that. It's interesting that exercise and movement is something that comes up quite a lot as, as being really, really beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. So on the podcast, we talk a lot about mental wellness uh, so I have two questions around this. The first is what does mental wellness mean to you? And then the second is how you look after your own mental well-being.
1: Yeah, so mental wellness to me is some things that we've already mentioned. It's it's a resiliency and it's an ability to put things into perspective and bounce back uh, no matter what happens. Because we all have just yuck. Right. We all have bad things that go on in our lives. And how can we shift out of those um, moods and not let them just overtake our lives, let let ourselves feel them and acknowledge them, but then come back to life and know that life is worth living. And uh, could you please ask me your second part of your question again? I already forgot.
0: Um, it was how you look after your own mental well-being.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it is the things that I already mentioned. Uh, I have said this before, if I didn't exercise, I'm sure I would go crazy. I have a lot of energy. I mean, I just do like, I, I like to move around a lot. And so that's something that I recognized a long time ago is that I have energy to burn. So I better burn it in a, a good way for me, which means exercise. But then there's also, uh, I just, I have over the years built up a network of people that I know and I can recognize when I need to be alone and need some recharge time versus when do I need to be out with people because I am I'm an extrovert and I get energy from people. So it doesn't necessarily even matter what I'm doing. Sometimes I just know like, Oh my gosh, I need to be with people right now. And then I'll get out and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I feel so much happier. Cause I'm just around people just talking with them.
0: Uh-huh. I think that's that self-awareness there of knowing kind of what you need when you need it is, um, I imagine, really important just generally for, you know, for anxiety, for anything that people are experiencing. And, and it links back, doesn't it, to that checking in with your body and checking in with your energy and what's going on and, and thinking, what do I need at the moment? Yeah. And that circles back
1: around even to what we were talking about a a little bit about societal pressures. But, you know, we feel so obligated often to do things we think we're supposed to do. And it's like we have to give ourselves permission to be like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) Like, that's okay. I know I got invited to that party, but I just really don't want to go. You know, it's just little things like that of recognizing like your innate. who you are and what works for you and giving yourself permission to just be your own unique person. Sometimes that's really all we need. It's just literally the permission to follow your own internal compass.
0: Mm, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my next question is often quite a challenging one. Um, are you able to describe your own mindset? Oh gosh. Yeah. That is challenging. Cause I'm like, Oh,
1: I don't know if I have the words for that. Um, I guess i'll just say whatever comes to my mind my own mindset is uh i'm i'm seeing it like puzzle kind of thing walking into place so i just think my mindset is a way of analyzing all of the moving parts and seeing how they fit together
0: oh yeah it, it is a kind of i think it's a question lots of people just haven't really thought about before so it kind of like Oh, how do I put it into words? So I love that, that kind of, yeah, analyzing and putting all the parts together. It's great. So uh, I always ask guests that come on the podcast to leave the listeners with between one and three strategies or techniques that they can put in place in their life that will have a, a massive impact. So they could be to do with anxiety or they could be more general. Um, If you've got one to three tips that you would recommend for people. Yeah,
1: my main tip is so easy and so effective. So I would recommend that your listeners three times a day. Uh, at the same time of day, if possible, I want them to feel their feet on the floor so they can either be sitting or standing. And then when they feel their feet on the floor, imagine that there is a little ball of energy above their head that they pull through the top of their head and then they run down through their body out the bottom of their feet. And why I recommend this is that when you feel your feet on the floor, even if it's for just a brief moment, it brings you into your present awareness. You cannot be thinking about the past and you can't be thinking about the future when you feel your feet on the floor. So then, when you come back into the present moment, um, it really helps you. Particularly if you're, you know, spiraling out of control. But even if you're not at that level, if you're just feeling a little bit off. But then, when you run the energy through your body, it is also a really good way to help you notice where are you holding tightness and tension? Are you clenching your jaw? Are your shoulders, you know, shrugged up all the way next to your ears? Are you taking shallow breaths? So it just helps you tap into, oh my gosh, okay, I need to relax there. Okay, I need to let go there a little bit. And the more often you do this, it will become a habit just like anything else. If I find myself like not paying attention when someone's talking, like when my mind is wandering, I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even just hear that thing they said. I just feel my feet on the floor and it immediately pulls me back into the present moment. And I, I just have done it so much that I, it's like my natural go-to.
0: I suppose is the three times a day about building that consistency and that habit.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. And because you know the day is pretty long, so if you do this in the morning, the afternoon, and the evening, you're like checking in at you know the the main sections of the day.
0: Yeah, but then also like like you were saying that if you're feeling yourself getting distracted or spiraling, if people are noticing that, it's something they can then use as a way of of reconnecting and um, yeah, kind of back in with their. And it's sneaky, right? You can do this anywhere. You can
1: do this at work. No one has any idea you're doing it. You're in line at the grocery store. No one has any idea. So it's it's really effective and easy to do no matter where you are. Amazing. Thank
0: you for that. I'm definitely going to try that. <laughs> try and remember that a few times. But also if I, because I quite often, yeah, busy mind. So I definitely uh, will be using it. So thank you for sharing that one. Yeah, you're welcome. So if people want to connect with you, if they want to find out more about the energy healing work that you do, where can they find you?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, the easiest way is on my website. So, um, again, I'm The Energy Synergist, which is a word I made up. And my website is TheEnergySynergist.com. Awesome. And we
0: can share that in the show notes as well so that people can ask you. Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you so much. I have really enjoyed talking to you today about anxiety I mean it's been a bit of a reminder for me um because I love what you've said of some of the things to watch out for are things that definitely resonate with me um so I'm definitely going to use some of your strategies and you know the the connecting with the the scan I don't know can I call it a body scan type thing also the the feelings I feel like that is something that will definitely be very effective for me so thank you so much
1: oh you're welcome and thanks for having me I've loved chatting with you
0: yeah, that's great and uh, and yeah continue the excellent work with energy work and anxiety <laughs> i will thank you so much so thank you again to heather for that that really interesting insight into anxiety and into energy work which is definitely something that i am going to be learning more about so i just want to uh very quickly at the end recommend some resources for anyone who like me is a white person observing what is happening at the moment particularly in america although uk is not without its racial issues and is i think there's there's something um there's a fear of talking about race and racism and this this worry of saying the wrong thing doing the wrong thing and so kind of remaining silent and I think I guess sometimes people then make it all about me and how I feel about it and uh, and all of that but it is really important to speak out about racism and to stand beside people black indigenous people of color who are experiencing racism and to educate ourselves about racism because I I cannot possibly comprehend what is going on, how people are feeling uh, in the current situation. Um, And I'm (laughs) absolutely not going to pretend that that's possible, but I can educate myself to try and understand more of that experience, to understand more about, you know, history of racism and uh, black history and amplify voices. And um, I've, I've, just read an, um, an article which said it's not just about showing solidarity and support which a lot of people are doing on social media which which is great but also taking action you know whether that is i don't know signing petitions whether it is actively supporting um people uh, with your time with your with your money with with uh, yeah just <laughs> just actually doing something Um, And being careful kind of of what you share and and all of that. And and I guess I am very uh, conscious. I listened to um, an episode of the Guilty Feminist podcast, which is an intersectionalist feminist podcast, which talked a lot about the emotional burden when we ask people to educate us or to tell us what an experience is like and to expect them to do it for free, basically. And um, just thinking back to my conversation with Ryan um, a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about gender but you know I think it it is true of that conversation and I think I think it's true of talking about race as well it's basically caring enough to educate yourself rather than expecting someone else to do it for you and I guess one of the kind of messages at the moment is that it's not enough to be not racist it's about being anti-racist um, because of that structural systematic racism so this isn't my place to to educate or to to share but I just wanted to signpost for some resources because I thought it would be remiss not to to mention or kind of to talk about out of that fear of saying the wrong thing doing the wrong thing Uh, so if I have said or done the wrong thing please let me know but I think it is important yeah to amplify voices and educate ourselves so I'm going to share the places I'm going to educate myself. And there will be so many more places uh, for support for information. Support's not the right word (laughs) for information to educate yourself. Um, But this is where I'm starting, so I'm sharing it with you. So there is a podcast uh, called The Diversity Gap that I would recommend. Uh, The book, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race, Renny edo lodge which is a times bestseller talks about eradicated black history how class and race can interact overlap so i have ordered that although it's sold out at the moment which um, probably tells you something about other people seeking to educate themselves and then on instagram Uh, You can follow Monique Melton and her handle is at Moe, M-O-E, Motivate. And she is an anti-racism educator. And I haven't taken this course, but I've heard um, it recommended. Shine Box is a self-paced anti-racism course that she runs and she has other resources in her links there. Um, So I would encourage you, if you are like me, a white person who really cares Um, and is not a racist and wants to actively be anti-racist now then educate yourself and don't listen to me because I am not the person to um be educating to be sharing but these are just some places if you don't know where to start to go that's where I'm going to start to educate myself um and to listen to other people so that's my thoughts um on that and again apologies if I've said the wrong thing I think that is the often for for people who maybe like me who do care saying the wrong thing but we yeah we can't just uh, bury our head in the sand it's um anyway I'm gonna stop talking because I have nothing constructive to add (laughs) at this point um but there we go so next week I'll be back with another episode um who knows what the topic will be? I haven't quite decided yet. I would just like to remind you that we have a Patreon site. So if you are interested in supporting the podcast, if you want to have an input in the guests that we have on the topics that we cover and have access to bonus episodes, then please do consider supporting us. And that is patreon.com slash psyche All one word in Psyche, P-S-Y-K-H-E. So we would love it if you would become a patron and support us to continue bringing you, um, hopefully, useful content. So I hope you have a good week. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to other people. And I'll see you next week. Take care. Bye.